Well, Mount Logan in southwest Yukon, you may know, is Canada's tallest peak at about 19,500 feet. It's also home to ice that is both unique and scientifically very valuable. And that's what prompted a University of Alberta-led expedition to the country's tallest peak and right up to the top of it, the chance to drill down and extract an ice core that, like the rings of a tree, contains clues to tens of thousands of years of the Pacific Northwest's climate history. Getting up there was a challenge, exacting a record-setting, or extracting rather, a record-setting 329-meter piece of ice was also challenging. Getting it off the mountain was no small feat. But it was all a, a big success, as it turns out. Joining me now is Dr. Allison Cristello. She directs the Canadian Ice Core Lab at the University of Alberta and was one of those who took part in the expedition. Welcome to the show. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, <laughs> Mount Logan is quite the challenge. I know you're a mountaineer, so uh, so you have it was a it was it was not something you've never seen before. But tell me about the trip. Uh, how difficult was it just to get to where you needed to go? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a good effort just to get up there to Logan Summit Plateau for sure. But yes, uh, climbing climbing Mount Logan first before before drilling the ice core up up top was a, a challenge in itself. We climbed the King's Trench route, which is the standard mountaineering route up Mount Logan. Um, so we flew into into base camp, which is around 9,500 feet. And then over the course of 10 days, allowing our bodies to acclimatize, we we climbed the route up to um, up to the summit plateau, which is at seventeen and a half thousand feet. Um, and there's some becoming more and more technical, actually, ice falls on the route and um, some fun mountaineering challenge sections. So it was, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, it was a, a nice challenge just getting up there for sure. <laughs> Certainly, though, what the payoff was was well worth the journey. What it is? What is it that you were up there looking to extract? Well, we were looking. Um, we were looking to extract a surface to bedrock ice core up on the summit plateau. And we've always, we being ice core scientists, um, have sort of always known that that there's unusually deep ice sitting up there on the plateau and uh, unusually deep for, for the top of a mountain. Um, and because it's unusually deep, um, it's always been hypothesized that there's very, very old, you know, several tens of thousands of years old ice sitting up there, which again is uh, unusual and unique for outside of the polar regions. Um, so, so this was the target to, to hopefully locate and then drill the hypothesized very old ice that's sitting up there on the summit plateau. I understand you did in fact find it and extract it. How does that work? <laughs> obviously, obviously that's not easy at, uh, on the top of a, of a tall mountain. Well, I think we did. We, we don't know the bottom age yet, but um, the way we did that really was we did it over two years. So last year um, I also climbed Logan with, with a much smaller team and we did a radar survey, which was sort of the, um, the main thing that we did to locate the ideal ice coring site. So we pulled uh, two different radar systems all across the huge summit plateau, looking both at the internal stratigraphy of the ice, you know, for, for, for parts of the, the glacier up there that are undisturbed and have really nice stratigraphy. So we know that the, the age scale will, will look nice and, and won't be disturbed. Um, but also looking for places where 
that really precious, very old bottom ice that's down near the bedrock interface is also undisturbed. Um, so the, you know, the, the depths over the summit plateau vary hugely from, um, you know, from a hundred meters to over 400 meters deep in some spots. And now those 400 meter plus deep spots turned out not to be the best for drilling. They had bottom ice that looked like it was quite disturbed and, and things like that. So, um, so the spot that we ended up settling on was still over 300 meters deep, but basically from underneath our skis all the way down to the bedrock interface looked, um, looked beautiful. Just really, really nice stratigraphy. So um, yeah. knowing, knowing that, how do you extract 327 meters of ice um, from up there? How, how does that work? It sounds, it sounds like a delicate procedure. Yeah, in some ways it's delicate. In some ways it, it looks like the opposite with all the heavy machinery. But um, yeah, that was this year's challenge was actually drilling it. So yeah, the way it works, I mean, we, so we climbed up there, of course, um, and we, had, we were totally self-sufficient for two weeks. We had two weeks of food and fuel and everything we needed to get up there. But we couldn't bring the drill and it's 900 pounds. We couldn't bring the generator. Um, we couldn't bring a, a dome tent to allow us to drill in really bad weather. So all of these things, of course, had to be flown up there once we did make it up to the summit plateau. Um, so there was quite a bit of high altitude flying involved, um, which, yeah, also in part because helicopter payloads at 18,000 feet are about 300 pounds. Um, so the drill alone was three loads and things like this. So there was a lot of flying once we got up there to get the drill equipment up there. And then, and then the drilling began once we set up. So, so the way we do it um, with this particular drill, it's called a Canadian eclipse drill and we drill a meter at a time. So it's a big tipping tower drill that has this vertical position where we drill down again, one meter at a time and retrieve a meter. And then the whole drill swings into this horizontal position. We pull the ice out and package it up into a box and do this over and over and over. Um, so yeah, because of kind of the nature of this kind of drilling, the, the character of your days changes over time. You know, you can imagine in the first few days, ice is flying up at the surface. The drill doesn't have very long to travel to drill its meter and come back up to the surface. But when you're 300 meters down, it takes a really long time just for the cable to lower the drill, you know, down to 300 meters, drill from 300 to 301, and then <laughs> come all the way back up. So, so the days, even though, you know, even though it's a, a repetitive process, um, the days are different. Bit by bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> just for listeners who may, who may, that's about, that's over a thousand feet. And for instance, a tall skyscraper in Toronto, such as first Canadian place is about the same, the same height as that, uh, as that ice core. So you did manage, I gather, because it was probably one of the highlights of the journey. You did manage to extract it and in pretty good shape. I understand. In incredible shape. The ice was beautiful all the way down to the bottom. Um, some of the things that we, that we hate to see because it, it down the line when we're, when we're cutting and analyzing the ice um, are, are difficult to deal with shattering um, from the big pressure changes and things like that. Um, you know, they, they did happen. So they did happen, um, but not at all to the extent that I would have expected um, considering how deep we drilled 
without using a drilling fluid. Um, so the, the, the ice quality was amazing, which bodes really well for, for the analyses to come. I'm speaking this half hour with Dr. Allison Costello. She directs the Canadian Ice Core Lab at the University of Alberta. We're talking about a recent trip that she's made with a team to extract a large and very deep piece of ice from uh, Mount Logan. Uh, and uh, I guess the, it worked out very well. It's, it's quite intact. Where is it now? Do you just, how did you get it off the hill? The hill, the mountain, <laughs> the mountain, so to speak. Well, <laughs> um, each meter of ice is put into an ice core box and nine meters fit in each box. So we, and each box weighs about 80 pounds. So 35 huge ice core boxes were flown off three at a time by a helicopter (laughs) from the summit plateau on a long line um, out to, out to Silver City, which is the the name of the landing strip in Kalani National Park, where we had a, basically a, a freezer unit sitting, waiting to receive the ice. It was a, quite the logistical puzzle to plan this project. <laughs> I was going to say it must all be worth it because I gather what you've uh, what you've retrieved is going to sh- shed a lot of light, or at least tell quite the story about a whole number of things. What 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 can you learn uh, from three hundred and seventy two meters of ice that's all the way down? It's like a history book, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a hard question to answer because <laughs> because there's I think. Um, there's so many different things we'll learn. And right now I have no idea, Um, but I can give you an idea of some of the things that we are, are certain to be measuring over the next few months. Um, So we, we cut the ice up into, into different sticks that go into different analytical instruments. And one such stick um, sort of the innermost, very pristine part of each segment of core um, will go into a into an ICPMS or a mass spectrometer, and this gives us all a whole suite of elemental information. So things like heavy metals. Um, now another stick will give us a whole suite of major ions, things like sea salts and things that come from the ocean, and tell us something about changes in ocean conditions off the coast in the past in the North Pacific. Um, we measure oxygen isotopes, which are our proxy for temperature in the past. Um, And one other thing that I'm really excited about with this particular core, just because of where it is on the earth, um, is is that we plan to do a a long-term wildfire reconstruction. And um, so we can look at we can look at not only changes in frequency of wildfires um, over the full length of the record, but also um, we have ways now of looking at what was actually burning and did that change over time as well. So there's, um, yeah, there's just a, a oh, lot, many. Of, a, a lot to learn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Years worth of things to learn. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it must be bringing all that ice back. I gather you have it now stored where you are, but bringing it all back is kind of like taking, you know, uh, the entire encyclopedia out of the, out of the library to, to, to quote an old phrase, um, but so much <laughs> yeah. to learn. Uh, how far back are we talking in terms of history? Well, we, we, we really don't know based as a, as a, as a real guess based on other work that's previously been done on, on Logan, we're hoping over 20,000 years old, potentially 30,000 year old ice. That's, that's remarkable. And, and what is the difference between being able to extract it from somewhere like that's mm. non-polar? 
Yeah, good question. Um, I was sort of saying how unique this sort of spot on the earth is. Um, and the, and the, the reason really to go through such an effort like this is because we only have records like this, 20, 30,000 year old kinds of records or older from the polar regions. And ice cores from the polar regions do tell us lots of things about global climate, but they also contain information that's specific to where they're from. They capture local and regional uh, and regional climate variability. So if our longest term climate records are basically all from the poles, there's a lot, there's a lot of unknown between them, basically. So there are a couple spots, Logan, of course, being one of them that have this really valuable potential to tell us something about regional climate in this case in the North Pacific uh, that we cannot learn from a core that's from Antarctica or from the Canadian high Arctic or, um, or, you know, from the Arctic in general. Right. Where do you start or, or, or how, what kind of timeline do you have now? And what do you tackle first? Well, we do have a ambitious timeline. Um, we're going to be, imaging and then physically processing. So cutting up the ice um, in July and August. So before the end of the summer, it will all be partitioned up, um, ready to go to various labs. And then the plan is in, you know, before, before the end of the fall, um, that elemental analysis and major ion analysis that I was mentioning, which is really a, a bulk of, of the data um, we, we will have in hand by then. Um, so, so yeah, I would say in general before the end of fall 2022, <laughs> um, we're hoping to have a huge amount of the data set in hand. I imagine there's a lot of people around the world eager to see what it is that you, that uh, that the ice tells. Yeah, and there's a huge team of people working on this, <laughs> which I think is um, also just one of the most incredible parts of of ice core science and <laughs> projects like this. They involve so many different scientists um, with different expertise. And it's, it's really incredible to be a part of. Well, it sounds like you, you pulled off quite the feat, needless, needless to say. It's, uh, congratulations. We look forward to seeing what data you find and what story it tells. Uh, Alison Costello, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you so much.